Hey, if you have your Bibles, grab them. Go ahead and turn to Luke 2. We're in our fourth week through our Advent series called O Night Divine. And we are hitting the last couple, the, the, the last couple of verses out of the verses that we're, we're doing here in Luke 2, which is verses 20 through 21. Luke 2, 20 through 21. But instead of just reading those two verses, I'm just going to pick us up from verse 1 and read all the way through. And then we will concentrate... Uh, our time this morning on verses 20 and 21 this morning. But let's refresh. We've been going through the story of the night of the birth of Jesus. We've been unpacking that over the last few weeks. So just to refresh our memories a little bit here, let me pick up in verse 1, and we'll just read all the way through. And here's what it says. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn." And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And these are the two verses we will really be focusing on this morning. And it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. That's our passage for today. So... If you're like me, this story has been told to you a lot. It doesn't matter really if you've grown up in the church, if you've grown up just not really engaging much uh, with church culture. This is a story, even if you just watch Charlie Brown Christmas, like this story comes to you at least once a year and you are engaged with it. Some of this stuff are, are old familiar phrases that kind of come in one ear, go out the other. We, we sing about these things. It can become so just sort of dull to us. Our hearts can just become kind of dull to it. Our ears have heard it so much. And so what we wanted to try to do over the last few weeks is sort of refresh our memory for this night that Scripture tells us about in Luke here, the night that Christ was born, and just kind of step back a little bit and remember the, the splendor and the majesty, and, and if I can just use more modern phrasing, just the craziness of it all. Like this amazing thing that happened where Jesus was born and the way it was announced is just something 
that is for us to step back and behold every year and to try to not let it grow dull to us since we seem to be inundated with it so much. I always know that I've, I've hit this I always know I hit this week before Christmas time because the stuff that I love about Christmas, at least one of the things, which is listening to Christmas songs, I, I, it starts to just almost be like the soundtrack that's going on in the background. I don't even notice it anymore. Probably because I'm just playing that music like all day long. So when the season first starts, that Nat King Cole song, Christmas song, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire comes on. And I just, I look at Melissa and I go, oh, there it is. You know, and I'm just, I feel like I'm melting when Nat's voice comes in through the speakers. And now it's just playing and I'm just like, yeah, what do we have to do today? You know what I mean? Like it, it's just kind of going in one ear and out the other. And I barely hear it playing. It's becoming dull to me. Already, We want to make sure that this story, this truth of Christ's birth doesn't do that for us. And when we start in week one, here's what we learned. We, we learned the, the origin story of Joseph and Mary. Um, we, we saw that they were brought into this as being the parents of Jesus, uh, Mary, the one who carried the baby Jesus, Joseph, the adopted father. They're, they're brought into this thing with all kinds of scandal, right? Because Mary... Uh, the baby Jesus was conceived with Mary before uh, her and Joseph were, were even married. And Joseph wasn't the human father because the, the birth of Christ was, was born to Mary as she was a virgin. So it, it started in a bunch of scandal. Not only scandal, but it started in poverty. Mary and Joseph did not have a lot to bring into what you would consider your, your new life is being married and having a child. But what we see, what really stuck out to us was their obedience in spite of everything that was laid on them in terms of how they were going to bring in the birth of Jesus. They just obeyed. They obeyed the voice of the Lord. They stepped into things. They let their reputations take a dive for the rest of their life for the sake of being obedient to what God had for them. In the second week, we saw how the shepherds came into the picture and how they received these unexpected appearances, just having no clue that the actual announcement of Jesus' birth, that they were going to be the first people, they were going to be the recipients of this announcement. And so they were just confronted with this glory and this good news and ultimately this peace that the angels announced to them, which is what Christ's birth brought to us. And then last week, we saw their remarkable response to it, right? And we talked about we're, we're always being confronted with things that we can either react to or we can respond to. And what we see here with the shepherds is that they just had this amazing response where they, they sought out the truth. They went to go see where the baby Jesus was. And not only that, they didn't just see it and step back and go, wow, you know, but they, but they shared that truth with the people around them. They let it come out of their mouths. And then they, we saw that Mary here at the end of verse 19, she savored that truth. She treasured up all these things. She pondered them in her heart. She stored them up in a way so that she would remember that everything that the angel told her, everything that she was experiencing was something that was coming from the Lord. And she could be reassured that the Lord was serving her, and he was accomplishing uh, his purposes. So that brings us to today, verses 20 and 21 here, as we get to the end of this night, and what happens to the shepherds after the birth of Jesus, and this is what we're going to chat about today, it's a model. It's a model for how we are to return to our everyday lives 
after we encounter Jesus. And that's what we're going to see is what the shepherds returned to and how they returned. And how strange it was for how, how strange it wasn't in how they actually returned to just the ordinary lives that we are all going to return to at the end of this season. Now this is a rhetorical question for y'all, but how many of you have ever anticipated something, anything, whether it's an event, whether it's a vacation, uh, a promotion at work maybe, maybe graduation day, maybe it's a game, um, a purchase, something you've been wanting for so long that you finally get, or maybe some kind of an experience that you've been building up to, and after it's over, you feel what we call this inevitable letdown, right? The thrill is gone. That initial rush that comes from dreaming and anticipating of something coming, it just seems to go away. And whether we realize it or not, uh, what we're always left with is what I like to call the now what of our experiences, right? The now what. Like I've been waiting, I've been longing, I've anticipated this thing, it happens and it's like wah, 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 you know? It just, you, we just come down and we go, is that all there is? Was that it? You know, even if it was great. Because here's the thing, we still have to wake up the next day with that anticipation and that longing and that waiting now being over, right? I remember... Um, Oh, I think I was about six years old. It's my first memory of um, Christmas Day and getting to the end of the day. And we had one of those years where we had all the family, we had all the friends coming over. The house was full. It was a crazy day, crazy party. And everybody leaves. And my parents looked at me and, well, out of their mouth came the most dreaded phrase hated by children around the world, which is time for bed, you know? And I, I remember this so clearly. I remember looking at them and just thinking, how on earth can you be so cruel and tell us to go to bed? It's Christmas Day. What do you mean go to bed? You know, like the thing, we just started like a minute ago, right? And I started crying right on the spot because I did not want Christmas Day to be over. And that still happens every year <laughs> on Christmas Day when Melissa says it's time for bed on Christmas night. But you know, it's so funny because that's how we typically respond to things that can't outlive our expectations. But what we just read was a different story for these shepherds and it's one that has an unlikely ending for us. The first thing that we see here that happens to these brothers is that they returned to their old lives. Look what it says at the top of verse 20 there. It says, and the shepherds returned. They just returned. If we, if we pause on that for even a second, it's fascinating, right? After everything they just saw, the shepherds just return. They just return to their day jobs. I mean, look, look back and think about what had just happened. Their eyes had been opened to these choirs of angels, the baby Jesus, Mary and Joseph, and now... They just go back to the fields to keep watch over their flocks at night again. I mean, it feels like a really anticlimactic ending, you know? Imagine how different we would treat something like this today. We would probably think, I don't know, guys, are you going to record a podcast about this, right? 
You know, pour, post, some, post some videos on Instagram? I mean, how, how do we get into what you just experienced? You're going to write a book? You're going to get some appearances on the morning TV shows? You're going to document this for us? You're going to document this incredible night to share with the world? I think we think that. And I think if we were with them, we would think that because we've been, you know, kind of trained to think like consumers in a lot of ways. How can we leverage this experience to our benefit? But here, all we see in verse 20 is that these shepherds just returned back to their old lives. God had not given them a new career. They didn't abandon their flocks for any sort of fame and fortune. They were not taught how to build platforms in order to sell their stories and increase their influence. It's phenomenal that it just says they returned. And after we get past verse 20, we never hear about these guys again. They simply return. But here's what's contained in returning for them. It's not that they just returned. It's that they remained. Returning is remaining. And remaining indicates faithfulness, right? So these brothers didn't just return. They remained. And what remained for them was faithfulness. But still, when I step back and I try to look at this through sort of modern eyes, it bothers me. Right? Did they miss an opportunity here? Are you trying to tell me after all of that, all they do is return back to the fields? Did they miss an opportunity? What about the lives that they could have changed if they just would have thought a little bit more about how they could have promoted what they saw? Now, that's just how I think. That's how we tend to think. But I wonder if it would be better to ask this. What would that have said about how their lives had changed? The fact that these shepherds faithfully returned to their old lives speaks to the authenticity of the changes that had occurred in them due to all they had seen and heard, right? Listen to what Psalm 26 writes. It says, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked, listen to these three words, in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind, for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. This is a picture of these shepherds. They were not tempted to leverage the good news of great joy for their own power and influence. They returned to their old lives with integrity. And of course, that calls us to ask the same question of ourselves, right? What do we look to gain from the gifts that we receive from God? What shortcuts do you seek in order to get ahead? Or are we people that are characterized by leading a peaceful and a quiet life, godly and dignified in every way like Paul instructed Timothy to do. Let me say it like this. The Lord values those of you who faithfully return day after day to the quiet and what oftentimes feels like mundane work that he's given you to do. Because it's not really about returning to your old life. 
That's not really what this was about with these brothers. But it was about remaining with God as they returned to their old lives with the renewed hearts that they've been given. And that's the, that's the pattern that we see here in verse 20 when it says that the shepherds returned to their old lives. Well, they may have returned to their old lives, but there were other things that were new about that, what they were bringing into their lives. And that's you. And that's me. We are going to be returning back to the routines. We are going to re be returning back to the daily challenges that face us. They may be a little suspended right now because the Christmas season tends to do that. But man, when the ball drops on Jan 1 and you go back to work that week, everything's back the way it was. You will return to your old lives the way the shepherds did. But you can return with a new heart and a renewed heart the way the shepherds did. Look what it says, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It didn't say when the shepherds were watching their flocks by night and the angel came to them that they were just glorifying and praising God. It doesn't say that. It says they were just watching their flocks. But now it was different the way they were coming back to watch their flocks. They returned with new hearts. And that's the crucial difference right there, isn't it? They returned faithfully to their vocations because the faithfulness of Jesus had put a new song in their hearts. And in the end, that's the end goal for us, right? Whatever God has prepared for you in this life, he wants to be the object of your praise as you return to it over and over again in the most mundane and ordinary of ways. He wants to be the only thing that gets the glory in your life over and over again. And you know, Christmas time, just this season, and all the heaviness that it brings, it's a reminder that Jesus came to replace your old heart with a new one. That now pulses with renewed hope. You don't enter the new year as somebody who just has goals to achieve. Do you get that? And it's fine to have goals. I'm not the anti-goal guy. I, I got a few of them. I'm not going to tell you what they are. But I got a few of them. And they include less chocolate and stuff, you know? Those kind of goals, right? But you are not just somebody that returns to the new year with new goals. You have something more than that. There is something greater than that, even as good and as great as goals can be. Again, don't hear me being the anti-goal guy. I know there was a guy like that, but if there is, I'm not that guy, right? But that's not who you enter the new year as. You enter the new year with the hope that God will never leave or forsake you, especially after you abandon those goals on the 10th of January, right? He will never leave you or forsake you. He has grace upon grace for you. He has forgiveness upon forgiveness for you. His faithfulness to you will only be amplified as you look to him in the new year. As you recount his wondrous deeds to you from the years past, right? That's what you return to the new year with. That's what these brothers return to the new year with, with a new heart. And with that new heart, what you also get in the package is a renewed sense of joy. And that's what we see with these shepherds here. They returned 
with a new joy. They were not let down. They were not let down as they returned to their old lives. The child they'd seen, he was the Messiah. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was named Emmanuel, the name that means God with us. You don't return glorifying and praising God if a new joy hasn't been established in your heart. So it's really important for us to to sort of back up and go, okay, what was so different about these guys? They're just going back to the same thing. There's nothing special about what they're going back to. But the way they respond, what's been established in their hearts, what's coming out of their mouths, something is different. I want that different. I want that different thing that happened to the shepherds that we see happening to them right here. So we don't want to miss that. We don't want to miss this this peculiar joy that brothers just returning to the most mundane of jobs had because it is ours. That joy, that renewed joy, that refreshed hope is ours in Christ. And you know, some of you will face new challenges when you enter the new year. There is stuff ahead that you already see on the horizon that you're already dreading a little bit. Stuff that's not happening right now, but you can look forward and you can go, man, I wish you didn't have that waiting for me in the new year. Most of us, though, will just face all the old challenges, right? The ones that never seem to go away, the ones that constantly pull at us, never seem to leave us alone. Do we feel like we're facing those challenges alone? Sometimes we feel that way. I feel that way. Or do we need our memory refreshed for the new year? See, the thing is, we just forget. The thing is, like, for everything that the Christmas season should do for us in terms of reminding us of who God is and what he's doing and how he's been working through us, all of the hustle and bustle, it actually makes us forget So what we see here with the shepherds is how they didn't forget and how they entered, re-entered their old life with a refreshed memory of the glory of God. And that can be us. Whatever kind of mundaneness or ordinariness or just ugginess, as me and Melissa like to call it, that might be facing us. The reason why I titled this sermon an unlikely ending is because we usually experience a different ending than the shepherds. We experience a likely ending, especially at the end of the Christmas season. We come out of the fog of the holidays, kind of a daze, right? All the socializing, all the food, all the spending. And then at the same time, we kind of brace ourselves for the same old, same old of the new year. But what the shepherds show us is what returning actually can look like. They give us a picture for what it can look like for us. That it can look like a rich combination of these two things, of faithfulness and gratefulness. Faithfulness and gratefulness. And maybe those two words can help us as we enter the new year. Faithfulness. Let's talk about that for a minute. You can be faithful to whatever God has called you to because Christmas time has reminded you of the faithfulness of Jesus. Because of his faithfulness, you are free to be faithful, 
right? You can return with a renewed trust in Jesus to act in ways that you can't see, act in ways that you hope he will act. You can be drawn back to the the surety and the steadfastness of Jesus. Whatever the new year brings, he will bring you through it and continue to renew your heart when you draw close to him through all the peaks, through all the valleys, and there's gonna be many. There's gonna be many, right? You're not going to achieve perfect faithfulness. And that's okay because that's been achieved for you in Christ. That's what the story reminds us of. How can I say it this simply? You can let go. Some of you guys come in here and you have this enormous burden on your shoulders and you're seeing all the weight of the things that are crushing you. The message of Christmas is this. You can let go because Jesus has taken that weight and those burdens. You can breathe out your burdens. You can bring those to Jesus. You can breathe in his grace. All those things you got a death grip on that are just wrecking you. You can be like these shepherds. You can just return glorifying and praising God because the reality is he has taken those things. You can be faithful in that way. Secondly, gratefulness. You can be grateful. The Lord would have you return, changed by what you've seen and heard, entering 2023 with a a, a profound sense of gratefulness in your hearts that move and practice and get more familiar and get more in the routine of glorifying and praising him. Again, goals are great. I always wonder that with all the goals that we have that is going to you know, help us physically, going to help us financially, these good things that we put into place, how I got to become organized, not bad things. But I think we neglect things that are better for us on a spiritual level. And then if we do, if we do sort of tip our hat or bend towards things that are, are more spiritually good for us, you know what we do? We just make those things that we, we turn those things into like organizational things. Like, man, if I could just read 17 chapters a day, I think I would do better. You know, if I could just, if I could just, if I could just. And I think the message for us is step back from that and say, Lord, how can I just rest in your grace? The goal isn't how much scripture I can read. The goal isn't how many prayers can I pray? The goal is, Jesus, am I connecting with you through your word? Am I connecting with you through prayer? Can you change my desire so that I desire to do that more than these other things so that it doesn't just become an organizational list that's just going to get checked and then stop getting checked on January 10th along with everything else? In other words, can you reorder my desires? See, the shepherds had hearts that had been reordered. They were going back. They still had to organize whatever shepherds organize. They still had to keep watch over their flocks. But something was different 
in the way that they were approaching those things. That's the goal for the church for the new year. It's how do I approach my life as somebody who lives as if they have been spending time with Jesus. Because that's what happened here with these dudes. And gratefulness is one of the ways that reconnects us with Jesus. You look at what you've seen and heard. You see so many reminders of Christ's love. You think back on his birth, which led to his death, and his resurrection, which means you are going to be able to face your own life and death struggles this year. And you're going to be able to do it with the hope that Jesus is near to you. Let me just say it like this. You will never be as faithful as when you are grateful to Jesus. It's a remarkable thing. Psalm 50 verse 23 says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. Maybe when you step back and you start thinking, man, I don't read my Bible like I should. I don't pray like I should. Maybe a place to begin is giving thanks to God. Finding times in the day, pockets of minutes where you just go, Lord, I'm going to pause right now. I'm going to stop. I'm going to open my eyes to who you are, where you've placed me, who you've surrounded me with the blessings that you've put in my life. There's all kinds of crazy stuff. There's all kinds of bad stuff. Yeah. But let me think about the things that I can be grateful for. And that even includes the hard things that are reshaping you, that are setting you up to be more like Jesus. Maybe a starting point for us is gratefulness as we go into the new year. Let's be faithful by being grateful. So let me just encourage you to start there. One of the things that I observe in the church is a kind of grumpiness. Yeah, Kirby's laughing at that. Um, by the way, great prayer, Kirby. Um, but um, Kirby's laughing at it because he, he sees it. Um, there's a grumpiness and an agitation that can permeate the pews, right? Christians can fall into the habit of being disgruntled because we look around and we see stuff that we know isn't good and it isn't right. Um, we see the state of the world. We see the state of the nation. We see the hypocrisy of the church. We see the ugliness and the immorality we see leaders that are supposed to be leaders who are not very leady, right? And we see all these things spinning around us. But let me just say this. Nowhere in Scripture do we see that kind of reaction commended to us, right? Christians are people that, listen, they see all of the bad things that surround them, but they have eyes to see the greater thing that surrounds all the bad things, does that make sense? They have eyes to see the greater things that surround all the bad things. It's so important for us as Substance Church to be a church that doesn't ignore what's going on, that isn't grieved by things that we should be rightly grieved by. 
but we're also able to zoom out and we also see something greater that's going on, right? We have a greater hope. We're not so zoomed in all the time that we don't allow ourselves to see that God is at work. He's at work, right? The shepherds were returning to all kinds of things that were less than ideal in their lives, right? All kinds of social things, all kinds of political unrest because they were living under Roman rule was not ideal. It's also not a stretch to imagine there are parts of their job that they did not love very much. And yet they returned glorifying and praising God. Listen, let me reiterate, God is not asking you to not be grieved by some of the things that we see in our world that are not in line with the gospel. What he is asking is that you don't contribute to those things by being angry, by being unloving, unkind, or irritable. Because those behaviors aren't very moral either, right? Sure, we can be righteously angry, but the path of self-righteous anger is literally the next lane over. And we tend to drift quite a bit into that lane in our spiritual driving. We need to practice gratitude instead. So we take all of these things and we look around, we see what's surrounding us, we see the, the things that grieve us, and we remember to zoom out. We remember that God is at work in ways that we can't see, and we become grateful for the things that we can see, and that moves us into prayer for the things that we can't see, which is how we are people that increase in faith, which is praying and trusting and hoping God for the things we can't see all the while, being grateful for all the stuff we can see, right? Now, gratitude, again, it doesn't ignore the world's problems. It just interprets them correctly. It acknowledges that Jesus is in control, that this world is not our home, and our gratitude can lead others to repentance because gratitude is kind-hearted by nature. And all the unlikely endings of our lives, they're turned into likely beginnings because Jesus has come once again to be near to us through whatever the endings, through whatever the beginnings that we are served up in 2023. And like the shepherds, we can be assured that he will never leave us. So how do we want to enter our new year? With faithfulness and gratefulness. Come all ye unfaithful and ungrateful. And let the Lord renew your hearts. Not because this year hasn't been hard. And not because next year won't be hard. But because Jesus has never left your side. He has never been close to you. He has never been as close to you as you close out this year and you enter the new one. That is the hope that we have and that we carry when we walk outside of these doors into a world that has precious little of what God has given to us.
I love you guys. Um, I love this church. I love um, the ways in which you guys are grasping and growing in the gospel alongside of me, you know? Um, a guy who's grasping and growing in the gospel. I'm excited for what the Lord is doing. Um, I'm so grateful for the year he's, he's given so many new faces sitting here right now. I can't wait to see what the Lord does uh, in the new year, how he grows us in grace, how he reminds us of his love and his mercy for us. I love being in this with you. I love being able to encourage you in this because this is how I have to encourage myself. This is the encouragement. And I love that we can come together and we can be reminded of truths that are anchors for us. They're like anchors and they're like anvils. They just don't move. They just secure us. And so this we're going to talk about basically every week in 2023. Not Luke. We're going to start in John on the 8th, but we're going to be going back to these truths. We're just going to keep emphasizing all of these truths, right? Because this is what we need. We need these reminders. Christmas is so great because it just washes over us anew. So I pray that the Lord does that work so that you can enter the new year faithful by being grateful and see what the Lord does with that. Amen? I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you for this message that we get of these men, just ordinary men like us, and returning with hearts and with hope and with joy that we want to return to our lives and our new year with. Lord, you know the challenges. You know how hard these things are for us. Uh, we are people that are just battling our flesh constantly. Um, there is no arrival for us while we are this side of glory. Um, and you understand that. You are so compassionate. So Lord, I pray as we have spoken these words, as we have opened your word, and Lord, whatever you have spoken to people this morning and whatever you've convicted them of, um, whatever has surfaced in our hearts, whatever we need to repent to you for, whatever we need to um, be reminded of and have our memory refreshed. Lord, I pray you would do that work today as we scatter, um, as we get back into our lives, as we're preparing for Christmas and family and all kinds of things. Lord, I, I pray that there would be a, a special um, sense of renewal and recalibration, Lord, as you draw us into a place of gratefulness, even though many of us are experiencing things that are just very difficult. We want to be reminded that you are good and that you are at work. And Lord, we want to, we want to have our, our loves and our priorities reordered because of that truth. So would you do that work in us today as we get ready to sing, as we get ready to enjoy some food and fellowship together, um, which again is something that is such a, an act of grace and mercy by you that we get to enjoy those things. So thanks for that. And I pray that you would use it today uh, for our good and for your glory, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.